Thanks for joining us for Open Bible Online today. Open Bible Baptist Church has been in South Jersey for over 60 years. We love this community and we want to be a help to you. In order to help us help you in the best way possible, would you do us a favor? Please fill out the digital connection card posted in this link. Here you could post prayer requests and also ask any questions you may have about Open Bible. If you'd like to give today, you could give online in less than two minutes. Visit openbiblenj.org for more information. Thanks again for joining us today. Now enjoy the service. Good morning and welcome to the broadcast of the Open Bible Baptist Church in Williamstown, New Jersey. I'm Dr. George Riddell, the pastor, my son, uh, Pastor Riddell is away preaching down in South or North Carolina, I believe it is, and he asked me to fill in for him this morning, and so I will, by the grace of God, I trust it will be a blessing to you and be an encouragement to you, and I would like for you to turn to Hebrews chapter 12 with me, Hebrews chapter 12, and we're living in difficult days. Uh, 2020 very obviously has been a very challenging time for our country, for the people of the United States, for the medical profession, for the law enforcement profession, just so many, many challenges. And we look at things that seem to be just crumbling all around us. For example, we look at the anarchy brought on by the communists and Marxists across this country burning down businesses and homes and destroying lives and shooting people in the streets of Chicago and other places. Uh, it's just a, an unbelievable time, an unbelievable experience that we're living through in this, uh, in, in this world at this time. All brought on, a lot of it brought on by the coronavirus. We have that that we're facing. We've had over 200,000 people die, uh, unfortunately, because of that. Uh, our good president is now, him and his wife have it. We need to be praying for them and for others that have it, political leaders, as well as your neighbors and your friends and your relatives. We need to be praying for them uh, that uh, God will spare their life by his grace. And we just look at the days that we're facing now and we're living differently. We can't socialize the way that we're used to socializing. Uh, we're not able to uh, uh, attend church the way that we normally attend church. So all of these things seem to be coming in against us at this point. And uh, you might say, well, preacher, things seem to be falling all down all around us. Let, let me share something with you. And I want to encourage your hearts today. Yes, things look difficult here in America, really and around the world. There are well over a million people who have died around the world because of this uh, coronavirus. And uh, <clears throat> so there, there's a worldwide pandemic and difficulties we're facing. But I want, to, I want to assure you of something today. First of all, as I was praying this morning, I am reminded that God has not resigned. God is still on his throne. He's still the blessed controller. He's still in control of things. And uh, so my trust and my confidence is not in a political party or a system uh, or a country or personnel. My confidence and my trust is in the Lord Jesus Christ and in him alone. And I simply refuse, and I've, I've told my wife this, and I said, I refuse to live in fear. I will not live in fear. Listen, 
our days are in the hands of the Lord. And we'll see that in just a few moments. But look with me, if you would, to Hebrews chapter 12 and verse number 29, excuse me, 27 through 29. And uh, let's just see what the Bible has to say here. And this word yet once more signifieth the removing of those things that are shaken, as of the things that are made, that those things which cannot be shaken may remain. Wherefore, we receiving a kingdom which cannot be moved, let us have grace whereby we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear, for our God is a consuming fire. The writer of Hebrews certainly knew what he was talking about when he talked about those things which will be crumbling and which would be, de be destroyed. And uh, we look around us and we see a lot of that happening today. Peter put it this way, if you'll turn over to 2 Peter chapter 3, <clears throat> 2 Peter chapter 3, and look at verses 10 and following, as Peter writes to us this morning, and he says, But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth, the earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of person ought ye to be in all holy con conversion and godliness? Looking for and hastening unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. So there will be a time of God's judgment. There will be a time when heaven and earth will pass away as we know it. There's going to be a tremendous uh, heat, a tremendous burning of that which we know, and God will create a new heaven and a new earth. So it's incumbent upon us as Christians to ask ourselves, where's our foundation? Where's our rock? What are we holding on to? What's keeping us afloat and keeping us positive and keeping us in trusting God and believing that God is the blessed controller? Turn with me, if you would, over to Matthew chapter 7 and look at what the Word of God says here. And this is really how we need to build our lives. He uses the illustration of building a home, but in Matthew 7, beginning of verse number 24, the Bible says, Therefore, whosoever heareth these, things, these sayings of mine, and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man, which built his house upon a rock. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. And every one that heareth these sayings of mine, and doeth them not, shall be likened unto a foolish man, which built his house upon the sand. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and the heat upon the, uh, and beat upon the house, and it fell, and great was the fall thereof. And it came to pass, when Jesus ended these sayings, the people were astonished at his doctrine. Why? Because he taught them as one having authority and not as scribes. So the Lord says, a wise person will build their house upon a rock. Now, <clears throat> this church <clears throat> auditorium has been built upon a firm foundation. If it was not built upon a firm foundation, it would move and shake and possibly collapse one day. But the foundation of this church is sure. I'm sure those of you that are listening to my voice this morning have a home and, and your home is built on a firm foundation. 
would make sure that when the storms come and the difficulties come, that it will withstand all that would be coming against it. That is the same way in our life. Folks, we have a choice. We can live and be gripped with fear and anxiety and angst, or we can just simply hold on to the Word of God, hold on to the Lord Jesus Christ, and build our life and the philosophy of our life on the Word of God and on Christ Himself. So let's just look at some things today that will not be destroyed. There are four things that will not be destroyed in this world or this universe. Number one, the throne of God can never be destroyed. It, can, it is absolutely, totally indestructible. The throne of God. The psalmist writes in Psalm 45, and he says it this way in verse number six, Thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. Thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. In Lamentations, it says this, in Lamentations 5, 19, Thou, O Lord, remainest forever. Thy throne is from generation to generation. The throne of God will never be destroyed. Why? Because the Bible tells us that, God, about that. God is not limited like you and I are limited. But we need to understand something. There's a difference between the temporal and the eternal. The temporal and the eternal. The Bible says, the psalmist writes to us in Psalm chapter 90 and verse number 12, it says, So teach us to number our days, that we may apply our hearts to wisdom. So teach us to number our days. Isn't it interesting? The psalmist doesn't say, teach us to number our years. He said, I want you, Lord, to teach me to number my days. And we have a certain amount of time on this earth that God gives to every one of us. Some longer, some shorter, but nonetheless, whatever time we have, it is all a gift from God. And we need to be numbering our days so that we might apply our hearts to wisdom. What does he mean by that? He means build your life, build your philosophy of life, build your spiritual life on the Word of God. That is our foundation. And for Christians, especially Christians, to be filled with anxiety, to be filled with fear is just wrong. It is absolutely wrong. If we serve a God that is the God of the universe, there is no God likened unto him. So in Psalm 46, it says this in the following, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, will we not fear? God is our strength. God is the answer to our problems and to our difficulties. Therefore, will we not fear? In other words, it doesn't make a difference what comes across the news broadcast. It doesn't make any difference who says what. It doesn't make any difference what goes on all around us. We will not fear. Why is that, preacher? The reason being is that God is my refuge. I don't find a refuge in philosophy. I don't find a refuge in politics. I don't find a refuge in government. I don't find my refuge in other people. I find my refuge totally in the Lord. And so should you, my dear friend, find your refuge in the Lord. Though the earth be removed, and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, 
Though the waters thereof roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with the swelling thereof, Selah, there is a river, the streams whereof shall make glad the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacles of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God shall help, and that right early. So the psalmist writes, he said, it doesn't make any difference if all the mountains are dissolved and if this world is just turned upside down. He keeps coming back to the position, but God is my refuge. God is my refuge. He says in Psalm 46 and verse number seven, he says, the God of Jacob is our refuge. That's our hiding place. That's the place where you and I can go to receive comfort, to receive encouragement, to receive the blessings of God on our life. Now, there's going to come a day when we look at this and all that's going on even in our current situation, it's going to pale into insignificance compared to what's going to come. Well, what do you mean, preacher? If you would turn to Isaiah chapter 34, Isaiah 34 and verse number 4, the Bible says this, talking about the end time. And all the host of heaven shall be dissolved, and the heavens shall be rolled together as a scroll, and all their hosts shall fall down, as a leaf falleth from a vine, and as a falling fig from a tree. All the host of heaven, all the host of heaven, nothing, nothing will, can ever be destroyed uh, when it comes to uh, uh, God Almighty. God's throne is eternal. His throne is eternal. Over in Hebrews chapter 1 and verse number 10, it says this, nothing can destroy the eternal God. Verse number 10, and thou, Lord, in the beginning hast laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the works of thy hands. You know, the world didn't come into being just because some scientists may say there was a, an explosion or whatever have you. No, God brought this earth into being. God developed the heavens. God developed the universe. God brought the earth into being. God created man and woman. And notice what it says there in verse number 11. It says, they shall perish, that is, the earth and the foundations thereof, but thou remainest. Everything around us may be dissolved. Everything around us may falter, but God remains. And dear Christian friend, hold on to that truth. I know many times, you know, we understand it intellectually, but do we understand it in our hearts? Do we really believe it in our hearts so that when you turn on the news broadcast and the news is not so good, what happens? Do you lose sleep at night? Do you go through emotional struggles? Do you get depressed or discouraged? That ought not to be with God's people. It's simple as that. God's people ought to be filled with trust and confidence in our God. He is our refuge. He is our refuge. The throne of God. It's a throne of grace, the Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16. It says, let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace. God's grace. His grace is seen at Calvary. His grace is seen at the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ. God's grace, God's grace and his mercy is extended to us through the sacrifice of his dear son. 
His throne is also a throne of judgment. The Bible teaches us in Revelation chapter 20, verse number 11, he says, And I saw a great white throne, and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. And it talks about those, the great, the, the well-known, will all come before God's judgment throne. The unsaved will come before God's great white throne judgment. You and I, as Christians, we will come before the throne of God, the judgment seat of Christ. We will be judged for what we've done in the body since we have been saved. So the first thing that will never be destroyed, that will never be destroyed, is the throne of God. So don't allow your heart to be filled with turmoil. The Bible says, be still and know that I am God. Don't allow yourself to be gripped with fear and anxiety. Every time you turn on the television, you hear the news broadcast, don't let it disrupt your life. Go on living your life. Be careful, be sensible, obviously. Do all the things that we're encouraged to do to protect ourselves. But don't allow yourself to be gripped with fear in your heart. So the first point this morning is the fact that the throne of God will never be destroyed. God has always been. God is now. God will always be. There was never a beginning for God. There will never be an ending for God. Man can't, can't end God's throne and his, and his ruling. God rules in the affairs of mankind, the Bible says. Now, <clears throat> I might say this also, <clears throat> that God brings judgment. His throne is a, 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 a throne of judgment. And sometimes God brings judgments on nations as we see in the Word of God. And sometimes He brings it through disease and this sort of thing. I don't know if this coronavirus is God's judgment or not. I'm not making that determination. But I know this. God can stop it whenever he gets ready to. But you know what? The Bible also tells us in 2 Chronicles 7:14 that if my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves, if there was ever a day and age when God's people need to humble themselves, it is today. I look around when I began to preach. Next year will be 60 years I've been preaching. When I began to preach, <clears throat> it seemed to me as if when you mentioned the fact that you were a Christian, everybody knew what you stood for. Everybody understood what your life was all about. When you named the name of Christ, they knew where you were when it came to uh, uh, all sorts of personal conduct and this sort of thing. It seems to me over these years, it seems to me that Christians have become weaker. They become spiritually emaciated. It seems to me as if they're just sort of giving in to the things of this world. There are things that are going on in this, uh, in this world, and especially here in America, that we ought not to condone or be a part of. Notice with me, if you would, in Isaiah chapter 29. <clears throat> and, there, and I don't want you to forget that God's throne <clears throat> is a throne of, ju of judgment. And God can and will judge at any given time. Notice what it says there in verse number 13. Wherefore the Lord said, For as much as this people draw near me with their mouth, and with their lips do honor me, but have removed their heart far from me, and their fear toward me is taught by the precepts of men. Isaiah 29, 13. You know, I almost think that's where we're living in today. 
Oh, Christians say the right things. They just don't live right. Many just don't live right. They, they live carnal Christian lives. When they ought to be in church, they're elsewhere. They're elsewhere. When they ought to be taking a stand for purity and separation, they're not. And it's a sad day, beloved, in what I see in Christianity today, because we give service to God with our lips, but our heart is far from Him. The Bible says in the next chapter of Isaiah, chapter 30, verse number 9, that this is a rebellious people, lying children, children that will not hear the law of the Lord, which say to the seers, see not, and to the prophets, prophesy not unto us right things, speak unto us smooth things, prophesy deceits. You know what the children of Israel ask them to do? Preacher, you just come in, you just tell us what we want to hear. I've often told young preachers, and I believe this with all my heart, don't tell your people what they want to hear. Tell your people what they need to hear. Tell them what they need to hear. Thus saith the Lord. The children of Israel, here in Isaiah 30, were saying to the prophets and to the preachers of the day, don't tell us the truth. Don't tell us the truth. He says, speak unto us uh, the smooth things, prophesy deceits. In other words, preacher, lie to us. Don't tell us the truth. We don't want to hear the truth. We don't want to know about God's judgment. Folks, I'm telling you right now, weak Christianity is not what glorifies the Lord. Ask yourself this. <coughs> Are you a stronger Christian today than you were a year ago, two years ago, five years ago, ten years ago? Do you stand up for right more today than you've ever stood up for right? Or when people just pass off wrong as right, and that's the day and age we're living in. For example, let me give you an example. It seems to me that people don't condemn living together anymore before marriage. Let me tell you something. That's wrong. Living together before marriage is sin. Period. Period. It's sin. And yet, how much, how much preaching do you really hear about that? How much preaching do you hear about that? How much preaching do you hear about drinking and carrying on with alcohol and all this other kind of stuff? How much preaching do you hear about that anymore? You don't. We're living in a day and age of weak Christianity. Why? Because the pulpits are weak. That's why. The pulpits are weak. God have mercy on us. God have mercy on us. So, the throne of God will not be destroyed, number two. <coughs> the Word of God will not be destroyed. The Word of God will not be destroyed. God's Word will always remain. In Mark 13, verse 31, it says this, Heaven and earth shall pass away. Hear it? Heaven and earth shall pass away. Now, there'll be a new heaven and a new earth, but heaven and earth shall pass away. But Jesus said, But my words shall not pass away. My words shall not pass away. Why? Because they're indestructible. The Word of God is absolutely indestructible. In 1 Peter 1, in verse 23 and following, it says this, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible. Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible. What's that mean? Can't be destroyed. If something is incorruptible, it cannot be destroyed. And how are we born again? 
Not by being a Baptist, not by attending church, not by being baptized, not by taking communion. We're not born again by any of those things. He says this, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. For all flesh is as the grass, and the glory of man as the flower of grass. The grass withereth, and the flower thereof falleth away. But the word of God endureth forever. The word of God. The word of God is absolutely indestructible. Now I know that men have tried to destroy the word of God. With all these versions and perversions out there, they've tried to destroy the word of God. I understand that. But God's word still stands. It is absolutely indestructible. Doesn't make any difference what man tries to do to it. It is absolutely indestructible. There are three things that we can be assured of when it comes to the Word of God. Number one, three things. Number one, its promises can never be destroyed. Do you realize that there are over 30,000 promises in the Word of God and not one has ever failed? Not one promise of God's Word has ever failed. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 20, for all the promises of God in Him are yea, and in Him, amen, unto the glory of God. All the promises of God. So the promises of God, what God tells us in here, for example, what He tells us about being born again, what He tells us about eternal life, folks, you can, you can go to the bank on it. You can, you can go to heaven on it. The Word of God, His promises. And I give unto them eternal life, he says. What a thrill. What a joy to know, to know that the Word of God is forever. So, it it can never be destroyed. Its promises can never be destroyed. The power can never be destroyed. The Bible says in Romans chapter 1 and verse 16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Hebrews 4.12 says this, For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than than any two-edged sword. The word of God. The promises can never be destroyed. The power can never be destroyed. What power is in the word of God? Well, first of all, the word of God has the power to convict. In Acts 2.37, the Bible says the following, Now when they heard this, They were pricked in their hearts, speaking of Peter preaching on the day of Pentecost. Those that listened to Peter preach were pricked to their hearts. They were convicted in their hearts regarding the Word of God. So the Word of God has the power to convict. The Word of God has the power to convert. The Bible says in Psalm 19, verse 7, The law of the Lord is perfect. And by the way, the only thing perfect in this world is the Word of God. The only thing perfect. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. So the Word of God, it has power to convict. It has power to convert. It has power to cleanse. The psalmist writes in Psalm 119 and verse number 9, Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed unto, according to, the, to thy word. By taking heed thereto according to to thy word. So the word of God can cleanse me from my sin. The word of God has the power to convict. The word of God has the power to convert. 
The Word of God has the power to cleanse. The Word of God has the power to comfort. Look at Psalm 119, or don't go there because of time, but in Psalm 119, verses 49 and 50, it says, Remember the word unto thy, unto thy servant, upon which thou hast caused me to hope. This is my comfort in my affliction, for the word hath quickened me, or made me alive. For the word, uh, for this is my comfort in my affliction. Folks, do you understand what the psalmist is saying? He's saying, flee to the word of God. So during these days of difficulty, during these days of heartache, during these days of trial, when people are just many times irrational in their thinking and in what they're doing, David writes to us and he says, I want you to know, the word of God is my comfort. Folks, get into the book. But more than you getting into the book, you let the book get into you. You let the book get into you. Because I'm afraid many Christians today, they will read this book. <clears throat> they don't read it to allow it to change their heart or to change their life or to change their thinking. But they do it as a duty. All right, I've got to have my devotions. So therefore, I'll race through the Word of God and I'll race through my prayer life. Then I can go on about my life. God have mercy on that kind of Christianity, folks. We need to not only get into the Word of God, we need to allow the Word of God to get into us. So it has the power to comfort. The Word of God has the power to counsel. Psalm 73 and verse 24. Psalm 73 and verse 24 says this, Thou shalt guide me with thy counsel. Thou shalt guide me with thy counsel. The Word of God has the ability to counsel me. You know, so many people today are wrapped up going to marriage counselors and this sort of thing. And I'm not against counseling. I've done a lot of it over my years of ministry, so don't misunderstand me. But so many times, folks, especially what a preacher or a Christian counselor would tell you, is based in the Word of God. So get in the Word of God yourself. He says, the psalmist writes, and, and he says the fact that thou shalt guide me with thy counsel. God is counseling us here in his word. God wants us to trust him. God wants us to learn of him and to live our life according to the word of God. So I said to you there are three things that uh, we, can, uh, when it, we can be assured of when it comes to the word of God. I said to you, number one, it's promises can never be destroyed. Its power can never be destroyed. And we mentioned the fact it has the power to convict, convert, to cleanse, to comfort, and to counsel. But number three, its prophecies can never be destroyed. Its prophecies can never be destroyed. Now, there are those today that literally laugh and scoff at and ridicule the Word of God. They just totally reject it. We've seen some things on television where the most base of people, I mean the most base people, were saying the most ugly things about our dear Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. But I want to tell you something. Those people are in essence fulfilling prophecy. So when you see someone rip apart the Word of God, I'm not necessarily talking about physically do that, but verbally do that, in, in 2 Peter chapter 3, in verse number 3, it says the following, 
Knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers, walking after their own lust, and saying, Where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. Much of the word of God has already been fulfilled. That which has not been fulfilled will be fulfilled. What I'm saying to you is this. Even those that would rip and tear Bible-believing Christians apart, and you've heard it on the news, I've heard it on the news, these people, they don't even realize it, are fulfilling Scripture. They're fulfilling prophecy. So the three things that we can be assured of when it comes to the Word of God, its promises can never be destroyed, its power can never be destroyed, its prophecies can never be destroyed. Number three, the church is indestructible. The church is indestructible. Over in Matthew chapter 16, the Bible says, And I say also unto thee, Thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. The church is not built upon a person. The church is not built upon a philosophy. The church is not built upon literature as such, world man-made literature. The church is built upon the Lord Jesus Christ. Over in Ephesians chapter 2, and in verse number 19 and following, Ephesians 2, the Word of God says the following in verse number 19. Now therefore, ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God. In verse number 20. And are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. The foundation of the church is Christ. Now, I'm preaching in an auditorium this morning because of COVID. It's empty. But the truth is, I know I'm preaching to the church. Well, Pastor, how can you be preaching to the church if it's empty? Because I know many of the members of this church are listening to me online, and that's fine. But let me tell you something about this building and the other buildings out there. As I've often said over the years, they can hold a lot of hay. This is not the church. A building is not the church. The church is the people. They are the people. That's what makes up the church. The church will never be destroyed because it's not a building. It's, it's not an auditorium. It's not a gymnasium. It's not an amphitheater. It's none of those things. The church is the building. If this building were destroyed this week, you could still have church next week. Now, it wouldn't be able to be in the building because the building had been destroyed. But you could still have church next week. The church of the Lord Jesus Christ is eternal. In 1 Corinthians 3.11, it says this, For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Christ Jesus. The church is built on a person. From the opening book of Genesis to the final book of the Revelation, it talks about one person. This book talks about one person and magnifies him, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't care where you turn. You want to turn to the book of Exodus? You can see him. You want to turn to the book of Numbers? You can see him. Deuteronomy? You can see him. I don't care. 
Turn wherever you want to in the Word of God, and you'll see Christ on the pages. So, the things that cannot be destroyed, first of all, the throne of God cannot be destroyed. The Word of God cannot be destroyed. The church of God cannot be destroyed. And then, thank God, the child of God cannot be destroyed. Four things that cannot be destroyed. Four things that are absolutely indestructible. The throne of God, the Word of God, the church of God, the child of God. In John chapter 10 and verse 27 and following, it says this, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Now that, in the original Greek, that word never perish is really double negative. Never, never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. We are secure in Christ Jesus. So folks, let me just go back to some of my opening remarks when I was pointing out to you all the fear and anxiety and angst that is gripping America. As Christians, we should not be, fear, be filled with fear and anxiety. Why? Because God is still on His throne, His Word is still secure, His church is still here, and the people of God can never be destroyed. My dear friend, we don't have any other kind of security than that. You don't have that kind of financial security. You don't know that about your earthly home here. All of those things can be torn and, and destroyed and thrown away, but not those things which belong to our Heavenly Father. Now, those of you that are listening to my voice, you may not be a Christian. You may not know the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. I would like to invite you at this time to just simply bow your head wherever you are. The Bible teaches us that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. The Bible says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The Bible says, for by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. You might say, well, pastor, how does a person get saved? Let me tell you how they don't get saved. They don't get saved by attending church. They don't get saved by giving money to the church. They don't get saved by being baptized. They don't get saved by taking communion. They don't get saved by confirmation. They don't get saved by any of those things. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. We get saved by calling upon the name of Christ. How do we do that? If you'd be so kind as simply just to bow your heads and just say a very easy prayer, something like this. It does not have to be these exact words. There's nothing magical about these words, nothing at all, but something like this. Lord Jesus, I come to you now, and I know that I'm a sinner, because I know your Bible says that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The Bible says, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So Lord, as best I know how, I open my heart to you, I ask you to forgive me of my sin. I ask you to cleanse me of all unrighteousness. And by faith, I receive you into my heart as my Savior and Lord of my life. And if you'll do that, pray a prayer just where you recognize you're a sinner, that he is the only Savior. There's no other way to get to heaven but by him. And ask him to come into your heart. The Word of God tells us He stands at the door and knocks at your heart's door, and He knocks. He will come in.
and he will save you. So, Father, bless this, I pray. Bless those that have heard the message today, and we'll thank you for it. Save that soul that's dearest hell. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, folks, thank you so much for watching today. I hope that it was a blessing and encouragement to you. If you don't know Christ, your personal Savior, and you accepted him today into your life, and, and you put your faith in him, I would like to send you free of charge two things. First, I'd like to send you this book, Done. It's written by a friend of mine. What other religions don't tell you about the Bible. And then secondly, a brand new Bible, just like this one, I'd like to send to you. So please, do me a favor. First, I'd like to hear about your commitment to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. Fill out the electronic connection card right below, click the link. When you fill that out, put your address in and I will be happy to send this book done and this brand new Bible free of charge to you. God bless you and I'm looking forward to hearing from you. Thanks again for watching us online today. If you haven't done so already, please fill out a digital connection card so we know how to better serve you this week. For encouragement throughout your week, you can listen to past sermons by searching Open Bible Baptist Church on the Apple Podcast or Google Play Store. If you'd like to give today, you could give online at openbiblenj.org. Thanks again for joining us today. We'll see you on the next broadcast.